who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Everybody, welcome uh, to our first ever spoiler review for Star Wars: The Bad Batch, Episode One. Here from the Geek. <laughs> hey! First time. And of course, we are incredibly excited to welcome back to the Geek Buddies. For another Star Wars review show, uh, the great Laura Kelly. How are you, Laura? Doing very well. Thank you so much for having me back, gentlemen. I'm very excited Woo! to talk more about the Bad Batch. Yay. Absolutely. She's not only my co-host on The Jedi Way, she also co-hosts uh, Force Toast Pod, a great podcast there with her friend Alice. 
Uh, uh, so Laura, how are you? You're not in Chicago right now. You're in another city. Are you adapting to it? Are you thinking to yourself, Hey, maybe the big city isn't where I want to be anymore. Maybe Colorado feels comfortable. What do you say? You know, the most comfortable thing about Colorado is that there are two English bulldogs in this house that I'm staying in yes! some family friends, but yeah, I immediately, I got vaccinated and just got on an airplane. So here I am in beautiful South Denver and I'm just here for a week and then I'm back home next weekend. So I'm just in an unusual place temporarily. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Nice. And we're and we're going to get into it here. Uh, let's introduce ourselves real quick. I am the outlaw, John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation. And uh, there to my diagonal right. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> I am Michael Vogel. I just got so excited that like it took me it took me over a year to figure out that if I want to look at John on screen, I have to look in the opposite direction. Yeah. I know this is Weird. super simple, but it stresses my brain out. So I'm just very excited about being able to go like, hey, um, <laughs> but other than being directionally challenged, I am Michael Vogel and I am a writer of animated TV shows and movies. And below me. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Silicon Valley, and Modern Family. There you go. And uh, we're going we're gonna to spoil the episode. So if you haven't seen the episode, please go and watch it and then come back and pick up where you left off on this uh, review for sure to hear our thoughts on it, uh, unfiltered and raw. But let's go around the horn first and find out what everybody thought. Laura, we'll start with you as you're our guest here. What did you think overall about this first episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch? Overall, I was super surprised at how much I enjoyed it, which I kind of knew that I would be. I think I called that a couple of times, um, (laughs) probably on the Jedi way. But yeah, the Clone Wars and the prequel era has never really been my favorite era to explore. Um, There's a couple of exceptions, but this this season of the this first season of the Bad Batch, I think, was is probably one of my favorite pieces of media to come out of this particular era. So mm. I was pleasantly surprised um, after seeing their arc in the in season seven of the Clone Wars. I was kind of like, yeah, okay, like they're cool. I could maybe take like a comic, maybe a novel or something about what happens to these guys after Order sixty six. Um, so when this show was announced, I was really surprised and uh, probably wasn't looking forward to it. Um, really as much. I wasn't super hyped at all. And then when I saw it, pleasantly surprised, particularly loved the first 10 minutes. I mean, they are just going to grab Rebels fans right from the start. Oh. Uh, so that was that was probably one of my one of the highlights of it for me. But I'm looking to hear looking forward to hearing what all of you think. I almost heard Laura squeal when Caleb Dune showed. I almost heard it all the way here in California when he showed up for sure. Michael, what did you think overall about this first episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch? Uh, I think it met my expectations, but my expectations were very high. Uh, Similar to Laura, uh, the prequel era was never my favorite with the movies. Dissimilar to Laura, I have realized, and it kind of snuck up on me, uh, but over the course of the past several years, because of Clone Wars and Rebels, which gets a little bit beyond it, like this whole era, the prequels leading into the rise of the Empire, even though the prequel trilogy is not my favorite, has kind of become my favorite era of Star Wars. Uh, I I love it. I love I love the uh, the characterization of all the Jedi through what Filoni did in Clone Wars. I love all of it, and I do say I I, I was excited about Bad Batch. Uh, 
I like their arc in season seven. I didn't think that I was overwhelmingly in love with them as characters, but after spending this episode with them, I'm obsessed with all of them and I think they're amazing. So uh, a lot to talk about, a lot of connections to the bigger Star Wars universe, but a lot of really cool new stuff too. Uh, so I think it was great and I am super excited that it is 16 episodes. I thought it was less and I'm thrilled yeah. that it's more. Senor McClung, what did you think? Yeah, I would say met and exceeded my expectations. Um, Clone Wars was one of those things uh, that I did not really get into until I until I got Disney Plus. I mean, I know it was on Netflix for years, and I wa I would watch an episode here and there, and it just you know I liked it because because it was Star Wars, but it just never really got its hooks in me until this, until it got on Disney Plus. And I was able to kind of watch like the last three or four seasons in preparation for season seven. So, uh, you know, ha having having all of that kind of under my belt and then meeting these guys in the in the first few uh, first few episodes of season seven. Like I, I thought it was I thought it was outstanding. Um, really creative action, which, you know, we'll we'll talk more in detail mm -hmm. later. I mean, action is always kind of my thing and when you can find a when you can find a, an unexpected way to take out an enemy that always that always gets me giddy and uh you know side note when my when my voice first changed when i was 12 years old it got <laughs> super deep so it's nice to know that i'm not the only one with that affliction caleb caleb doom caleb doom rocking the deep caleb voice doom. yeah For real. i mean freddie tried freddie tried Gotta give me parts all that. Freddy master try. master <laughs> I gotta say, those kids in the Harry Potter movies in movie two, when they were supposed to be 12, their voices dropped pretty quickly, too. That's so true. I was Sorry. like, you Fair know, pass. maybe this isn't fully unbelievable. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, did you not have helium in the sound booth? I don't know. Just throwing it out there. But anyway, let's get into it. This episode is called Aftermath. It's 72 minutes long. Oh, I'll say my thoughts. I absolutely loved it. I guess I'm different from you guys. This is my Star Wars. These mother effers are my Star Wars. I love it. They're not, they're, they don't fit the mainstream. They're defective. They don't follow rules. They do their own thing. They got distinct, strong, A-type personalities. It feels like something out of an 80s action film with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. It's my, this is my cup of tea. Like Rogue One is kind of a version of 70s movies that I love. Rogue One is a, ver I'm sorry, Bad Batch to me, the group is a version of like 80s action stars and I love it to pieces. So I was excited to see this and this episode blew me away on so many levels. Had a couple of nitpicky things, but overall absolutely loved it and can't wait to see more, what, what more we're getting from them. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, this is from uh, Jennifer Corbett, who is the head writer and producer on this thing and Brad Rao as well as the producer Dave Filoni. He wrote on this thing, and it's directed by three directors, Stuart Lee, Saul Ruiz, and Nathan Villanueva are all credited as directors for this particular episode. So certainly a lot happened here. And I was surprised it was 72 minutes. I had carved out a half an hour in my morning yesterday to watch this thing, and I was like, wait, 72 minutes? So I had to push it all the way to the afternoon to really savor it and watch it a couple of times, actually, to really enjoy it. Let's get into this thing. It starts in an awesome way with the Clone Wars logo being burned out by the Bad Batch logo. And then we hear the great Tom Kane. We send all our thoughts uh, and prayers to him, of course, and his family. Uh, he's talking about the separatists being pushed to the brink. Republic, Republic forces uh, continue about victories on battlefront across the galaxy. The Jedi Knights are thwarted in an attempt to kidnap Palpatine. Uh, General Grievous uh, is in the outer rim there with his uh, legions of battle droids, and he is mounting a desperate brutal counterattack uh, against uh, across uh, uh, several star systems. Then we find Republican uh, Republic rather clone troopers locked in deadly combat on the besieged world of Kalor. That's where we go to Kalor, and then we see Jedi Master 
Depa Balaba. This was super surprising. Having read the comic uh, that I for Kanan, this was a surprise to see her in this thing. Uh, they're waiting for reinforcements during this battle, uh, and then we see Caleb Doom show up, aka Kanan Jarrus, as a young Padawan. He's saying that they've got reinforcements coming. It's only five people. And of course, the T's there. It's Clone Force 99 jumping in. They take out all the corn, clone troopers, uh, and uh, uh, reinforcements have been rerouted to the capital. We find that out, and that the Clone War is soon to be over. So we are picking up right on the tail of the end of all that's happened, I think, in Season 7 of Clone Wars, and picking up there. We get uh, we hear about Kenobi versus Grievous on Utapau, and that the Bad Batch uh, were sent on a mission Caleb joins them. They're about to leave, and then Order 66 is given. Depa is attacked. Caleb tries to help. She calls him off, and she dies. Then the Bad Batch runs up. Caleb rejects them. This leads to a whole back and forth in the jungle, in the forest or in the jungle, whatever you want to say. And then eventually, Hunter lets him go, much to Crosshair's chagrin. He jumps between two, uh, jumps between two cliffs. Uh, and he's oh, he pauses a little bit. Caleb does. He's almost surprised that he did it, and then walks off. And then Crosshair walks up, and Hunter lies about stunning him and killing him. So incredible action sequence with so much to start the show. Vogel, I go to you first. What did you think about this intro back into the Bad Batch, and also getting Caleb Dune and uh, and uh, and his Jedi Master? Yeah, I mean, it actually surprised me because uh, they they backed up a little bit further than I thought they were going mm. to. I thought mm. because season seven of Clone Wars kind of ends with Order 66 and we see what happens there and we get the end results of that, I just guess in my mind, I just had an assumption that we were just going to start sometime later and catch up with the Bad Batch. So backing up a little bit and, and as soon as we got the opening credits of like, uh, this is where we are in the timeline, I was like, oh... We're going to see that. And I kind of did this whole thing in my head. I was like, oh, we're going to see them wherever they were when mm. Order 66 happened. Oh, I wonder where that's going to be. And as soon as I saw this kind of uh, this group of clone troopers with a jet, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to see Caleb Doom. I bet they're going to do Caleb Doom. I was I was so like my <laughs> like right the split second before he showed up. I was like, is that what they're going to do? So as soon as he showed up, I was super thrilled. Uh, as Laura said, as a Rebels fan, I squealed. Um, it was just, it was, and then, and then he opened his mouth and I was like, oh, puberty has hit. Um, but I thought it was nice that they had Freddie. I, I thought it was nice that they had him come in and yeah. do the voice as, as best as he could do a young Padawan's voice. Um, and then, you know, the whole introduction of the Bad Batch, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the textbook way that you introduce your badass team that, to Johnny's point, we've seen in every 80s movie. But damn if it doesn't work. It's like, holy <laughs> shit, we're screwed. We need reinforcements. Well, I found five. Well, we don't need, we need way more than five. Uh, wait till you see these five. And just leads into this great opening sequence where, uh, you know, having watched season seven, we already saw, uh, you know, kind of a version of this sequence where we get to see these five in action, but great to just jump into the series and kind of give us a refresher. Uh, and what I love, I'll let Shannon speak to the action specificity of it, but what I love about an action sequence is when an action sequence gives you great moves, great action, but that action also informs character. Mm. And what's great about each one of these guys is, in addition to just seeing some really cool uh, you know, clone versus droid action, we, in a very uh, quick, very action-packed way, get to know exactly who each of these guys are and what they can do. And, uh, you know, Order 66 is one of those things that 
when Revenge of the Sith came out, I understood that it was supposed to be cool and this epic thing, but since I'm not the biggest fan of the original trilogy, it kind of fell a little flat to me. But in the subsequent years between that movie coming out and now, uh, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, the creative teams on everything have made the most out of that moment. That mm. moment is now a seminal moment. So whenever oh, yeah. it happens, we get to see it over and over and over again, whether it's in Jedi Fallen Order, whether it's here, whether it's in Season 7 of Clone Wars, mm. and it's always super affecting, and we get to see those individual personal moments. So yep. seeing uh, seeing Master Balaba uh, go down, seeing Caleb run off and away, and then incorporating the Bad Batch's story into this and seeing these guys completely confused, except Crosshairs, about what's going on, and then seeing that Crosshairs is sort of halfway affected like it was just a great sequence and then the only other thing i'll say about it is that uh right off the bat i watched this show and when you see hunter and caleb with that waterfall in the background i mm. was like could they make this animation any more beautiful like season seven of clone yeah. wars was so gorgeous and i feel like bad batch might be giving it a run for its money i think the animation is so amazingly beautiful that it is continually taking my breath away. And this moment, in the, like when you, to Johnny's point, when you see Hunter on one side of the cliff and Caleb on the other, yeah. and they're kind of looking at each other with this waterfall in the background, I was like, I can't believe that we get to watch this on TV. This is gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's almost like getting a DVD and having it redone in 4K. You're getting uh, you have, uh, the possibility of them going back in the Clone Wars and maybe cleaning it up a little bit or changing the animation. That would be fantastic if you do it with the animation they have now. Yeah. Laura, we swing to you on this one next. I mean, you're the big, you're the big, I mean, all of us love Rebels, but you love Rebels. Uh, what was your reaction here seeing Caleb Doom hearing Freddie Prince Jr.'s voice? And by the way, shout out to Archie Punjabi, who does the voice of, of Depalaba. What was all this sequence like for you and, uh, and laying the groundwork here of the battle we're going to get through the entire episode, and probably the entire season of Hunter versus Crosshair? Well, like Vogel, I have in my notes in all caps, oh my God, is baby Kane in here? And I was very, very pleased. As soon as I heard, heard that they were on caller um, and that Deba, it was General right. Deba Balaba and her troops, uh, my mind immediately went to, oh my God, they're going to do the comic, the the Star Wars Rebels prequel yeah. comic. So right. it, was, uh, it was First Blood and The Last Padawan were both written by Greg Wiseman and they sort of cover the same story um, in where... I hate to use the word retcon because it feels evil, but it's it's a little bit different. It's fleshed mm -hmm. out a little bit differently it's, here. Yeah, because yeah, um, they're and, around a campfire in the comic when it happens out of the blue. Here, it's yes. more in the middle of the battle, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I really didn't have any problem with it, mostly because yeah. I'm totally cool with getting Rebels content anywhere that I can. Um, <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed this. I mean, we, you know, you guys talked about how Order 66 is done so well in every single iteration that we get of it. This iteration in particular for me was really, really emotional. We get Deba Balaba, who, like, kind of senses it coming a little bit. Yeah. And it just, like, adds even more to that punch. Uh, that emotional blow that we have to see Caleb Doom go through. Um, and I got to say, like, the scream that we get from her is, oh, like, her, her last horrific. Oh. It was just, it was, it was yeah. just so sad. Um, but I'm sort of in the same boat. I enjoyed this opportunity to kind of get to know the Bad Batch again and get reintroduced to all of these members again. The style in which they did, I thought, was really thrilling. Um, very much in the style of the Bad Batch that we saw in the Clone Wars Season 7. Um, and I got to say that shot of Caleb and Hunter standing mm. across the waterfall, like give me a painting. The next yeah. convention I get to go to 
if there's any artists out there, put that at your booth because I'm I'm right there and I'm buying it. Uh, but yeah, this this opening scene was just it, it hooked me from the start. They could have blown it with the rest of this episode, and I think I still would have been happy. But I, I very much enjoyed this opening sequence, I got to say. Right on. All right, let's swing over to you, Shannon. Michael mentioned the action sequences. You know, you like to write those when you're writing your episodes for your animation stuff. What did you think about this opening sequence? A lot of action, a lot of, uh, lot of uh, storylines being laid out or seeds being dropped for what we're going to see come a little bit later. What did you think overall? Uh, dynamite. I mean, Star Wars does a great opening action sequence. I mean, you mm. think about you think about those last four episodes of Clone Wars season seven with uh, with Anakin and Obi Wan. I mean, that was like that that first action sequence. Like, this 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 could be in a movie. It, it's that good. And mm. and I and I would say that for the Bad Batch as well. I mean, when you're meeting those characters, and as Vogel said, I mean. You have character-specific action, and that's what makes that action so memorable. Um, you have Wrecker, someone who his personality, he is in your face. You right. have Tech, who's doing these, you know, these kind of stealthy technological attacks. And then you have uh, Crosshairs, who, you know, he's obviously the sniper, but this is also a guy who is distant from people. Right. And so it, it just sort of encapsulates their personalities so perfectly well. Um, love that. I, I love the, the energy Bowie knife. Rambo knife that they give these guys. I mean, I think Hunter uses it the best, um, but it's just so it's just so satisfying, and mm. it answers questions as well. This this particular action sequence, like what happens when a hover tank goes over the side? <laughs> can you can you push a hover tank? Um, and the fact that Crosshairs um, had the foresight to to pack. Uh, uh, cables <laughs> that will explode and connect to things. I'm like, oh, that's that's a smart, that's a good soldier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but to watch like the you know the uh, the the tanks just go over the side, the one droid who's protesting, like, hey, <laughs> stop that! <laughs> and Tech throws a little a little uh, ion charge to, to zap him, and it would inform what the Empire does later. It's like, hey, those uh, the, well, I mean, because these they were the separatist weapons, but like like, hey, maybe maybe a hover tank. Not the strongest, uh, not the strongest option if you're going to be <laughs> if you're going to have guys who can literally push them off a cliff. Yeah, um, yeah and the whole sequence with uh, Caleb running with the Bad Batch as uh, Master Balaba's, you know, fighting for her life. I mean, it was emotionally. I mean, it was an emo it was an emotional moment. I mean, and you see, oh God, you see the way she is. Her objective is to protect him. Yep, and yeah. I, I, as he has this confidence that he's with this group of awesome clone troopers and he's a Padawan to this awesome Jedi master. And when he loses that, he becomes a scared kid. Yeah. And yeah. oh my gosh, it's just, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And watching Caleb leap across that Canyon. Um, I think it was Jedi Academy two that I had on the Xbox that as your Jedi gets leveled up, you can start to do those moves. I mean, that, that took me back 15 years ago when I was playing that game. And the interplay between Hunter and Crosshairs at the conclusion of that is like, oh, okay, so this is what our this is what our story is going to be. Copy yeah. that. Right on. And before we get too many comments, it's Crosshair. I don't want to get comments. Oh, Crosshair, excuse me. Yeah, I don't want any comments in the chat. We'll, we'll figure That's it fair. out now. I'll, we'll I'll take it. For, I'll take you know, it. People will go crazy about it. I don't want it to happen. Uh, I echo everything you guys said as I looked in this uh, this first sequence. It was so badass. I loved it to pieces. Great introduction. And look, they're laying the story for uh, something that's going to come later in Rebels and something that's going to be predominantly throughout the season, it feels like. 
and it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel inorganic. It felt natural. You, it would make sense for Order 66 to happen at that point. It's more effective that she's. they've just fought these off. This is a happy moment. They happen to be running away, so they can't stop the attack from the troopers in time or from the, uh, from the uh, clones in time. Uh, so that makes so much sense. And then having him be skeptical now of because, in essence, he sees them as connected – that all totally plays, and it works so well. And Crosshair's always be, Crosshair has always been that one person. They've been that one person who you're like, oh, you know, whenever you've seen them interact, he's kind of, kind of a jerk, kind of a dick a little bit. And you're like, oh, how's this going to play out? And to have that lay be playing out the way it is, and giving you the feeling that although they weren't all affected by Order sixty six, a piece of Crosshair seems yeah. to have been. That's a great thing to be laying here uh, off the bat. And yes, all the visuals just stellar from top to bottom in this opening intro. Well, and really quickly, yep. uh, just yep. before we move on, I mean, yep. in addition to being like awesome, an awesome geek moment to see Caleb, uh, to see Kanan as a, as a young, as a young Padawan, yeah. it also was really smart because it instantly uh, made us understand who Hunter was. And they could have done this with oh, yeah. any young. They could have done this with any young kid character, but I think using Caleb was super, super smart because they know that as fans we have this emotional connection. But not only do we see that Order sixty six doesn't really affect them except for Crosshair, but we also see that Hunter has a soft spot for kids. He goes yes. after him. He wants to help. And I think that really informs his character and sets us up to be ready for what's about to happen as we move forward. Absolutely. Great point, Mike, for sure. All right, uh, we go back on their ship. They're headed to Camino. We find out it's been 205 rotations since they've been back. Just record, it's been a long time. That's all you need to know. Crosshair <laughs> interrogates Hunter here. They arrive and they see shock troopers and they get news that the war is over. We get this really ominous moment where this uh, the, this body of a Jedi that's been covered is being carried past them and the hilt of their lightsaber falls out. Oh, uh, and then they're back in their own hangout area. Crosshair won't let it go that Caleb lived, is pressuring Hunter to tell the truth here, saying an order is an order. They're, now they get into this really, and this is what was fascinating about this first episode. They get into these kind of debates, these philosophical debates. How did Order 66 happen? Tech explains how it happened and why the Bad Batch was immune. Wrecker doesn't like this idea that he's he can be programmed. He thinks he's an individual. He's of free will. This is a fascinating thing to explore some more. Uh, and then they hear there's a brief Briefing on the on the state of the Republic. Hunter says, "I'm not missing this one." They go out, and we see this awesome shot of Palpatine there telling all the all the clones uh, that they will hunt down the Jedi. He announces that he will construct the first galactic empire, and then Hunter notices this odd uh, person there, uh, and it's our first shot of Omega amongst the Kaminoans. Is that is it, Kaminoans? Uh, and then we get a Nazi kind of salute after the emperor finishes what he has to say. And then we get this line, still don't think the regs are programmed. And in a hallway right afterwards, Hunter and the others are having a political discussion about the differences between the Republic and the empire. Uh, Crosshair is saying there is no difference. Hunter senses Omega behind them. Omega introduces herself and says she knows the bad batch. And then she's uh, uh, taken away uh, uh, there in that moment. So uh, Laura, what an intro to Palpatine being this, part of uh kind of over uh overlying parts of this uh, series for sure but also seeing these guys once again back amongst the regs feeling even more out of place 
uh, from what's happening. What do you think about this? It was definitely interesting to see it. I think one of the more interesting parts of this particular scene, the hmm. sort of like Nazi-esque scene that we see with all of the clone troopers cheering on Palpatine, yeah. is that not only are the Bad Batch not cheering, they're kind of just standing still, but Crosshair isn't either. Yeah. Um, so my entire thing, this entire episode up to this point has been like, why is Hunter not like outing Crosshair as being like, under the control of whatever is happening to all of the regs. And I, I sort of wondered a little bit, like what, what was it about their relationship that, that was allowing Hunter to just keep tolerating this and to not mm -hmm. confront it. And then I think we, as we get further along in this episode, we'll sort of see a little bit more insight into think into what their relationship is like. Yeah. Um, but I love these little, we get these little glimpses of Omega in this scene and, Omega, I think for me, is sort of, I, I'm sure she's sort of meant to be our Ahsoka Tano of mm. this episode. Um, we're sort of meant to be watching this show through her eyes. Um, I, I I don't think she's like quite as cute on the level as like baby Grogu, but she's right up there with me. I just think that she's absolutely adorable. Um, in this little scene from the trailer when she's, you know, she identifies each of the members of the Bad Batch and they meet up with her in the hallway. Um, I just think she's so, so cute. So I'm really excited to see what they do with her story and where we move forward from here. But on in terms of Palpatine, my first question I'm sort of wondering at this point is, are we going to see him at any point mm. like in new content in this show? Um, I'm pretty sure what they, they just took the, the audio from Revenge of the Sith and plugged it into this show. I don't think that was new audio. Mm. Um, but I do wonder if we're going to get new Palpatine content in any way, because so far we've just been kind of we're just kind of rolling around with Tarkin for the time being. Yeah, it feels almost more ominous when we see uh, the visual representation of of Palpatine in this way in the animated version than in the live action version. I feel the power of it more, especially here and their reactions to him for sure. But also these two philosophical discussions, Shannon, this idea of free will versus being programmed to feel a certain way. And then later on, this idea of, of what Crosshair says, and we hear that now in our political discourse, Republican, Democrat, what's the difference? Uh, Galactic, Empire, Republic, what's the difference? And of course, tech pushes back and says, well, them hunting down our Jedi uh, bosses is kind of a difference. And this other thing's kind of a difference. So very interesting to see these philosophical discussions pop up uh, in this uh, in this bad batch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the scene when they're on their ship going to Camino and mm. Crosshair is asking him, like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. Because normally when someone falls, you look down, you don't look across. Right. And that's sort of like, ooh, he's got you dead to rights. Ben Hunter has the perfect replies. Like, not everyone likes to watch somebody die, essentially. It's just like, oh my God. It's it's you have these two very distinct point of views that you have to imagine, like, this is not a new argument for them. Yeah. That that even though Crosshair was the one who was the most affected by Order 66. This is his personality. And whether or not he, all of this is the programming, you know, we don't know yet. Um, but also, I love how Tech is very logical. He's not emotional about it, but he's very logical. And he's able to see through the, like, yeah, sure, good soldiers follow orders, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't logically make sense that they would have us kill all of our leaders. And also the really interesting character to watch in all of this is Echo. Yeah. Because Echo is still to a degree an outsider. I mean, you mm -hmm. you see him probably at Camino seeing the guys that he would have he would have been with if not for this thing that had happened to him. Um, 
Yeah, I mean that, and that, and that's where I think the writers deserve a lot of credit because it's very easy to write some of this programming off to be like, well, it's well, it's animated, it's animated Star Wars, it's kid stuff, and then you hear these very kind of sophisticated conversations mm. that these characters have and how much they relate to uh, the, the world we live in today. Yeah, Mikey, are we getting a Megatron Scar uh, Starscream situation here between Hunter and and uh, and Crosshair? This whole like battling for the leadership of the group. Uh, what do you what do you think about this whole sequence as well? I I didn't see it as that because I don't think that Crosshair wants to be leader of the group. I just think he's pissed at how Hunter is leading the group. I think oh. that Crosshair, and it's because Crosshair is like, we're so, and what's really interesting, and they do make a point of this, is that the Bad Batch doesn't follow orders. That's mm -hmm. who they are. And all of a sudden, Crosshair is like, well, good soldiers follow orders. These are our orders. And everyone's like, the fuck are you talking about, Crosshair? <laughs> Where did this shit come from? Um, but to your point, into what Shannon and Laura were both saying as well, I kind of echo like, what I find interesting about this is, well, first of all, I want to say, and I, I'm sure we will get to this several times, but mm -hmm. when you watch them coming back into Camino and they're all having these conversations with each other, just shout out to D. Bradley Baker. Like, this oh is... Oh, my God. <laughs> like, this Ooh. is... You, you forget that this is five D. Bradley Bakers having a conversation with each other, and mm -hmm. you completely buy every single one of these characters as distinct personalities. Um you know, and it, it is just, it is a joy to listen to. Like when you and just realize And the chemistry realize it. they have with each other. And the chemi yeah. yeah, and the chemistry they have. Like, it's amazing. The other part that I love in like this, in this whole sequence is that, you know, we all know and understand that there was a Republic in the prequels and then some shit went down and the empire rose up and then some people rebelled against it. And they're like, we understand what happens, but the actual transition of this happening and the confusion and what is going on. And so taking the Bad Batch as characters and sending them to Camino and having them be in the middle of all this and just completely baffled yeah. and not really understanding, it's really cool to see. Like it's, it's a really cool part of Star Wars lore and Star Wars history to watch this transition happen and to actually feel that kind of uncertainty and confusion and that ominous kind of fear. And I think that they handled it all so well and so succinctly and also to do it with the clones. Cause I think the other part that's interesting and in like tech, they all make a part, like they see themselves. We have fallen in love with the clones over the mm -hmm. course of the clone wars. We love Rex. We love Cody. We love them. And now these guys are no longer the guys that we loved because they've become this other thing. But also the bad batch always saw themselves as a little bit better than the regs. You know, they always saw themselves as a little bit more distinctive. So all of these philosophical discussions that wrecker, you know, wrecker getting mad about, I'm not programming, I'm this. Like, I feel like we're gonna get a lot of these discussions, yeah. uh, particularly as we get into Omega's story about like, well, what what does it mean to be a clone? What does it mean to be a defective clone? Like, what is, what is this journey for them? And I think that as we see what's gonna start happening to the other clones, because we know that they get, the nicest way you can put it is retired. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what this journey is. Yeah, Nalase comes up and leads her out, right, and says, "Oh, she's my medical assistant," and blah, blah, blah. so kind of conveying initially that she's not a clone, just someone who's there to help. And of course, uh, Hunter says, "This is a human. What, what are you doing? Where's your family?" Blah blah blah. So they don't even know she's a clone just yet at this point. And so uh, it's it was I liked that we got a little more of that too to understand where 
her place might be in, in this. And what is that thing on her head? I want to know uh, what that is all about. I'm sure we'll find out as we go forward. But it was a good introduction and a very strong Australian accent, which I really appreciated hearing. As I'm well. Omega. Kind of My a- name's <laughs> Omega. <laughs> yes. Yes, sure. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> Michelle, shout out to Michelle Ang for being that voice as well. She's a well-known Australian actress uh, uh, down there for, with a number of projects. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next thing here. Uh, so Tarkin arrives on Kamino. Well, well, well. Just when we're feeling comfortable, as if the Emperor was enough, now we have Tarkin. Uh, and Tarkin and uh, Prime Minister Lama Su discuss the future of the clones. So interesting. They play this thing of Palpatine saying that we're going to do this and do that. And it's like, ah, but we're gonna, really going to wipe you guys out, uh, in essence, is what Tarkin is saying. And saying, and this is, comes down to cost. What an interesting concept to throw into this. It's the fact that they want to get rid of the clones because Tarkin says recruited troopers can handle the security at half the cost. Uh, then we go and, and, and Tarkin says he's going to analyze the situation and figure out what the best uh, uh, decision is to make at the end of his visit. We go to a cafeteria where Wrecker and Tech are debating the idea that Wrecker is programmed yet again. He's saying, I like to destroy things because I like to destroy things, not because someone tells me to. Uh, o- Omega comes over, sits with them, says she likes them because they don't fit in, that they don't fit in either. Uh, apparently, it's the first time anyone's ever sat uh, with the Bad Batch. Uh, and then the regs come by, and this all of a sudden becomes an 80s high school who's the cool kids, who's not the cool kids situation in a cafeteria uh, uh, after the regs kind of make fun of uh, the Bad Batch and make fun of Omega. Uh, as one of them turns around, Omega throws some food at them. They turn around. There's about to be a situation. Uh, Hunter calms it all down. And as those regs turn around, then Wrecker throws some more food at them. And then an animal house food fight slash actual fight breaks <laughs> out as Tarkin looks on and Echo notices him and then is promptly knocked out. Shannon, what would you think about this? As someone who loves 80s films and you've seen these scenes in 80s films, what would you think of this scene? And then what do you think about Tarkin coming in? And it was a cost-efficient decision to get rid of the clones, not just because they didn't trust him. Tarkin is a bureaucrat. I yes. mean, he, he, he's, he's a government guy. He's a money guy. And it's like, why did we need the clones? Well, we needed to defeat the Separatists, which was sort of a fabricated conflict from Palpatine to begin with. And it's like, we needed the clones to get rid of the Jedi. We have accomplished that goal. We yep. don't need this costly program anymore. And think about how, like, how he was in Rogue One. Like the Death Star, he was ready to write it off until he saw that it worked. And <laughs> then he pushed Krennic out. It's just like, yep. oh, this this guy is like a senator, like he's he's a bureaucrat. Um, the the uh, cafeteria brawl. Uh, I, I love the the eighties uh, the eighties checklist that the Bad Batch is checking off uh, mm. just in the first episode. Um, and you know you see you see the one clone trooper get hit, and we all expect it not to be Omega. <laughs> and then as they're walking away, the fact that he didn't clean his head up. And it was, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen that. And I've seen that in an eighties movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's, you, you just get a sense of these guys that in on the battlefield, other clones might look at them in awe because they see what they're, what they're allowed to do and that they don't follow orders. They kind of get to do their own thing. But when they're at Camino, when they're in the barracks, they're the weird yeah. guys. And no, it's like, no, we don't want to hang out with someone that's different than us. 
Yeah, could be a Mean Girls thing too, Mike. I don't mean to date my references, but it could be a Mean Girls situation <laughs> as well. And then they get called the Sad Batch. That is a Mean Girls thing to be calling someone the Sad Batch. Yeah. What did you think about this whole situation? I think clones are sassy with their insults. That's <laughs> what I think. Uh, no, it did make me wonder a little bit because, like I said, like we are, like I think Shannon is right. I think the that uh, the Bad Batch always did sort of stand out, but I wonder if the clones were nicer prior to order 66 like now oh, like all yeah. the regs are kind of shitty but they've also all got this like programming going on in their head uh and you know i think you're right i mean this idea of programming like tech and through tech and wrecker we still we keep talking about it and it's obviously important for crosshair later so i think like the idea of being programmed uh we know from the trailers that rex is going to show up and I th so i think this idea is going to be something we talk a lot about i love a good food fight I thought it was great. I thought, and I, and I thought it was great because Star Wars does such a good job. We're dealing with such a heavy moment in Star Wars history, and we're dealing with some really heavy ideas, some heavy discussions about identity. But like to break it up with a good solid food fight uh, is great, and I think Star Wars is really good at like cutting the heavier stuff with that humor. Um, on the on the target of it all, I think it was a pretty simple question to a uh, a simple a simple answer to a question people have wondered for some time. We all know stormtroopers are kind of shitty shots and not the best. And we know that the clones were badass. And you're like, why would you get rid of this force? And you're like, yeah, oh no, it was cheaper. And that's, that's, <laughs> like for years, like it's been like, well, we, cause like there was like, well, the clones were this and the, the stormtroopers were this. And I'm wondering how, and what was the transition here? And like with one sentence, Tarkin was like, I'm going to save money. <laughs> We can we can control the galaxy just as easily with people that can't shoot as accurately as these clones. I also just love that uh, the Kaminoans uh, are, are just just so obsessed with like their their profit. I mean, it, it, you're, yeah. you're, on both sides, it's about money. Oh. Like for Tarkin, he's like, we can save the money, uh, yeah. and for them, it's just like, uh, yeah, we uh, we we have a deal. You owe us. Like mm -hmm. we we have a contract. And he's like, well, you had a contract with the Republic. And they're like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, you don't have the contract with us. We're the Empire now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that, too. Uh, Laura, what do you think about uh, this whole sequence here? And, of course, Echo noticing Tarkin. Echo, maybe a little PTSD here, seeing Tarkin as well, knowing he's not a fan of the clones. Uh, and he's going to say that, of course, in, in a scene here in just a little bit. But... Overall, this whole sequence here of, of, of getting into it and, of course, hearing the prime minister negotiating with Tarkin. Exactly. So, yeah, we know that uh, that Echo is recognizing Tarkin from the Citadel uh, mm -hmm. sequence that we saw in the Clone Wars. And, yeah, I think that PTSD is definitely there. But his his memory, at least in that sense, is coming in handy um, to give the his fellow Bad Batch members some insight. Um, to sort of echo something that Mike said earlier, the... This situation with Tarkin and Lama Sue is sort of bringing up one of those, one of those interesting plot points in Star Wars history that we really didn't know anything about, uh, and I never really gave it any thought. But then actually seeing the conversation play out, I thought was really interesting. Uh, the fact mm. that the Kaminoans, and we sort of see this in the Clone Wars too, it's made uh, obvious at multiple points. Like they, re they're all about their profit. That is mm -hmm. their number one priority. Um, and the fact that they they mentioned that the uh, their contract is for continuous production, and I'm like, wait a minute, for like for how long? Like forever? <laughs> like that's that's not how contracts work. Somebody should have fixed that. But that's what we get when you had a random Jedi on the on the council going to them and ordering an army and not 
you know, running Je- by anybody, I guess. That's <laughs> Jedi, just, Jedi's just are not needed to be handled. Yeah, Jedi's yeah. are not the best deal makers. <laughs> no, no. We didn't do it right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, this was it was definitely an interesting sequence to get to see that to get to see the fact that like the Kaminoans were not in on this at any point mm-hmm. in time. They're sort of being caught blindsided too. Um, and this is this was just sort of interesting to watch. I, I really did enjoy these sequences with Nala Say too. Yeah. I'm really interested to see where they take her story and exactly what her motive is um, because I kind of go back and forth on whether or not we can actually trust her or if she actually has Omega's best interests at heart. So right. I'm really curious to see what happens to her throughout the rest of these episodes. Uh, cause, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Well, no, cause I was, I was going to ask, uh, cause mm-hmm. Laura, I know you know this also well, but like, cause she in, uh, in season six of Clone Wars, I mean, she's really not on five side. I mean, like she's, she's definitely, she, she, she seems to have like that. She, it's pretty clear that she thinks of the clones as property, and she thinks of the clones as this is just what we do here, uh, and they don't really have their own agency. But she clearly feels differently about Omega. Yeah, there's something yeah. there, and it, it's not clear to me yet what we do learn later. That you know, she reveals that yeah, that Omega is a, a modified clone, but right. there's that's not enough of an excuse for me yet and then what we right. see her do at the very end of this episode it just made me even more curious as to what her story is and yeah if they are kind of rewriting her a bit from the clone wars because what we saw her do in, at the end of the clone wars uh she definitely wasn't coming off as a good guy by any no. means i think there are two things that stand out for me we'll move on to the next sequence real quick i just want to say uh because i echo everything you guys are saying for sure but uh, the two things that stood out to me is I wonder. I wonder if the if this was the writers' room at like three a.m. and someone just goes, maybe it's just cheaper. Maybe it's just cheaper. And then that breaks everything out. And like, yes, that's the key. That was the key, and they write everything off of that. Uh, that's possible. But other things. I think Mike, you brought up something I hadn't thought about. What would it be like for these clones to have the 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 memory of killing the people they were just uh, being friends with and being and following orders from and being in a battle with? even though they're ordered to do so, is there ramifications in their uh, minds about what they've done? Does that change you, even though you're a clone? Does that change you uh, and your uh, your mental makeup? So it's a great point you bring up I hadn't thought about because everyone says in, in when you read it, people who kill, like it changes you as a human being. Once you kill something, once you kill someone, it can change you deeply. So maybe that's affecting them as well. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see where we go to next. Yeah. Echo comes in now in a ma- Oh, Echo comes to rather in a makeshift medical room after he'd been knocked out by one of the trays here. Uh, and he immediately flips out when he sees he's being scanned and plugged into stuff. And again, his PTSD from the, uh, the Citadel, as uh, as Laura mentioned here. And we get introduced to a medical droid. Let's see if I get this right. AZ-3452118962464987213. Introduced to us. Uh, and then the Bad Batch shows up here. The medical droid reminds them that they are genetically defective clones, uh, which is such a weird moment. Uh, Echo tells them that Tarkin is there and that Tarkin is no fan of clones. They've been summoned to talk to the Prime Minister and Tarkin Omega wants to come along with them, but Hunter stops her. They find out that they are being sent into a training exercise by Tarkin to see what their combat proficiency is. We get this whole training exercise where they easily defeat the droids, uh, and then which causes Tarkin to send in droids with live rounds, which really puts their lives at stake in essence. And they use some pretty ingenious tactics and reference a previous battle 
to put some things in motion to come out on top, uh, which uh, uh, leads to Tarkin walking out uh, from that situation. Laura, what an intro here to their battle sequences being tested. Tarkin taking more of an aggressive approach to finding out what he's got with this Bad Batch and what he's going to do, uh, and a little bit more about Tarkin being involved and not liking clones. Uh, this is building now. The Bad Batch uh, is figuring out what is happening here uh, towards them. What do you think of this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they really get the hit when they whip out the live rounds that they yes. send against them. Um, and it was an interesting sequence, getting to see them reprogram one of the droids and then use it against the others. It was a great strategy, um, which we now, we've seen now time and time again that that's yeah, really point. what the, the Bad Batch is all about. Um, I, I got to say, though, even after watching this obstacle course sequence, I was still just like baffled that Tarkin would be like, Oh yeah, no, we should still conscript a bunch of like randoms that don't know how to fire a blaster. Like after seeing what Crosshair and these guys can do, like you don't want to maybe take advantage of some of these things that were programmed into these into these clones. Like this just seems like a no-brainer to me, but I guess yeah, if you're all about cutting the cost and you're going to be a cheapskate, that's fine. But this was yeah, this was a really fun sequence I think to get to see. This was a return I think to this this facility, like this training mm. obstacle course thing, we saw this in uh, in the Clone Wars yep. as well with some of the younger yep. clones as they were learning and being brought up in the Kaminoan facility. Um, and I got to say, this sequence with AZ just had me cracking up. I love that he's got his <laughs> name as long as your parents' Wi-Fi password. And he was just, you know, I will, I will leave you guys to digest this horrific news. <laughs> and then just... Peace. So it's, yeah, it, it just... It was so enjoyable, so I, I thought that this was a lot of fun. Yeah, Mike, we got a lot of action here. We did get a little more of the idea of them being genetically defective, this idea of being different. This is just re really reinforced here, but also Tarkin's approach them. And I, I hear Laura's point, but I also, as, as Shannon said, Tarkin's a bureaucrat. And if it's cheaper to get people who are just going to do what you say, you go that route rather than these clones, these five clones that can think for themselves, that's dangerous for them. Uh, what do you think well, of this? Well, another Another thing that's interesting about Tarkin, uh, and this like uh, uh, was it Laura, Laura brings up the point like with Rogue One, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, you know uh, or Shannon, whichever one of you did it, but like the whole idea that he was ready to like just dismiss the entire Death Star project until it was going to work. Like he's very he's yeah. very cut and dry, and even in the um, in the in the Star Wars comics currently, they're filling in the gaps between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, and they've introduced a character, uh, Commander Zara, it, on the Imperial side, mm. who was sort of Moff Tarkin's protege. And they have a whole backstory for her where he brought her up. He was like, I'm watching you. And the second that she did something to displease him, he tosses her aside. And I think yeah. we see this here, too. He's all about finding something that he finds useful, and he has no issue tossing it aside the second that he thinks it's not. So it's yeah. interesting to watch him through this whole action sequence that he's just, he, he doesn't care if these clones get killed. If they, if they <laughs> got killed, they're not worth it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But then when they succeed, there's that hint of a smile on his face and he's like, maybe they're gonna be useful. And it's like, you can almost get whiplash watching Tarkin go, mm, I'm not about this. Maybe I'm about this. Can I use this? Let me try and use this. Nope, don't wanna use it. But it's like, that's who he is as a person. Everything, every person, every innovation to him is just something to be used to further his aims. And as soon as it's not useful, he's going to toss it aside. And so I think they did a really nice job 
letting you know Tarkin Tarkin his way through this whole episode. Um, and just, you know, again, action sequence, completely amazing. I'll let Shannon handle that. But throughout everything leading up to it, the gang coming in to see Echo, going down the hall with Omega, going into this action sequence, I just loved how they made me fall in love with each of these characters, even Crosshair. Like, I mean, just like, just as characters, I feel like if you look at it all, I think Echo gets the least work. In this, aside from knowing that he's sort of the newer member of the team and that he's not defective like the others uh, by design, he's defective by experience, we don't get the most of his personality. He still feels like he's a little bit standoffish or figuring out where he fits in the world post what happened to him in season seven. But aside from him, Tech, Crosshair, Wrecker, Wrecker, Hunter, uh, yeah, that's it. That's them. Uh, Those four. uh, Just, I was like, ah! They are, each one of them is so endearing in everything that they do. Whether they are being aggressive, whether they're fighting, whether they're just chatting. Like, Wrecker getting shot was charming. Like, like him, like, him laying on the floor, like, oh, I felt felt that one. And just Crosshair, (laughs) watching Crosshair, the way he takes out these guns, and then when they all do work together, like, it's just like, they do such a good job, and I think... In a world of Star Wars where you have so many beloved characters to fall back on whenever you need to, the fact that they are just paving new roads and giving us these new characters and that they work so well is, to Mm. me, as a writer, super impressive. Yeah, I saw someone compare them and call them Voltron. They're Because you put them together, they're an incredible fighting machine hunter being uh you know just the the not the knowledgeable one tech being the smart one wrecker being the the brute of the of the of the crew uh crosshair being the the sniper of the crew all of them coming together and echo in essence being the heart of the crew it's incredible to watch them together yeah shannon yeah. what'd you think about this whole sequence uh, overall and the fights uh, stuff that we got which i loved i mean i'll i'll be quick because i mean i don't think i can say better than what Laura and Mike already did, but uh, just the the ingenuity uh, of action is always a lot of fun in Star Wars. Um, the moment that they realize when Wrecker gets shot, like, oh, okay, they have now, we they, they, Tarkin has taken this to the next level, and yeah, as well as it, right. he doesn't care. Like, like he doesn't like if they if they die, they die. If they don't, well, I've got you know, I've got the I've got these. Why do I need more? Um, watching. Watching the hand signals, one knowing that Wrecker never bothered to <laughs> them, <laughs> and then once Tech clarifies, we're doing this, and he he <laughs> gives gives the one hand signal he knows, <laughs> which is the thumbs up, to to watch them work as a unit when they are literally outgunned. I mean, they're working with training weapons like stun weapons versus these guys have actual actual blasters, um, and the conclusion of. Uh, I think, yeah, it was Wrecker who threw that knife up and Crosshair was able to use the propulsion from a stun bolt to knock the knife into one of the drawers. Like, that was outstanding. Again, just deeply, deeply satisfying, cathartic action. Which makes Tarkin all the more suspicious. If these clones can figure, whatever I throw at them, can figure out how to keep surviving, I can't control them. I can't manipulate them. I can't make them do what I want them to do. 
And so now that's one of the tests. Now we're moving into the next section where he's going to really send them out into a bigger test here. Uh, Tarkin is surveying some of the new clones being born. I don't know about you, but you all, but I got a weird kind of Matrix vibe to this, seeing that little baby hanging out in a tube. Uh, Tarkin asks more about Clone Force's 99, uh, Clone Force 99's background from Lama Su and Alisei there with Omega listening, uh, standing there close by. We hear that a counter report has been filed uh, that Caleb uh, has escaped escaped and we imagine that's we immediately suspect that that's crosshair then we go back to the bad batches hangout wrecker is pissed about having live rounds used on them and as as you mentioned uh, michael i think they're suspect they're now kind of understanding what is happening here more and more and they're a little upset about it and just as they're going back and forth about it once again hunter and crosshair about to kind of get into it again tarkin walks in surprises them Tells them that he's sending them out to a mission. I think on Alderaan, if I heard that correctly, to go after. The, on, is that right? Alderaan. Alderaan. Sorry, Alderaan to go after these separatist forces. <laughs> then we head to the bay. Tech is trying to find out more about these separatist forces. Uh, and Hunter and Omega. Hunter uh, Omega comes in. Hunter and Omega have a conversation. Omega says she doesn't trust Tarkin. She wants to come with them. Says things aren't like they were before, and they need to leave Camino immediately. And then Crosshair says, I guess kids aren't your area of expertise. <laughs> uh, uh, and then we, we essentially get on uh, to Onderon, uh, 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 as you said here, uh, Mike. They find the Separatist forces, and Hunter holds off the attack uh, because he senses they're not battle droids. There's something else here. And we find out that they are former Republic fighters being led by Saw Gerrera. Talk about the Clone Wars kind of showing up. Again, here they have, once again, another philosophical discussion here about insurgents versus fighters. Saw shows them that these are displaced refugees, lays it out for them that with the Jedi out of the way, Palpatine is in control now of the clone army and no one can stop him. And he leaves them with this. He says, the Clone Wars may have ended, but the Civil War is just beginning. And he gives them a choice to adapt and survive or die with the past. And then Crosshair gets into this debate with the rest of the Bad Batch after Saw Gerrera walks off. Hunter senses a droid, shoots us out of the sky, remembers the conversation with Omega, uh, and then Tex says she's she re he reveals that she's an advanced, enhanced rather, clone. He analyzed her DNA, and Hunter decides that they are going back for her, and Crosshair is super pissed about them having to disobey orders over another kid. Uh, and Hunter says, she is one of us. We are not leaving her back there. Mike, this is a, a, a very strong scene. I think this is my favorite scene of the whole first episode here because of the conversation seeing Saw Gerrera and the furthering of this divide between Crosshair and Hunter. What did you think about all of this uh, uh, overall? Jesus, Johnny, that's a lot. All right, let me just dive Sorry. in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we got a lot to get through. I was trying to put him in jail. No, 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 it was good. I'm glad. Uh, so really quickly, first of all, I I, uh, I also, you know, kind of got that Matrix vibe. I think it's good that they show us those clones. Grow like, they're going out of their way to be like, hey, this cloning thing is weird. Like, the whole, like, like we love the clones, whatever, but, like, these are... These are these are people that were grown and have been programmed and the Bad Batch are dealing with who they are and like anytime and you can just tell by all of these scenes like like the idea of being programmed, the idea of being defected, the idea of following orders. Even Saw Gerrera saying you can adapt or change. Like the clones, the regs can't adapt. Like they're programmed. They're not allowed to. And the Bad Batch can. And so I think that even just seeing that clone in that scene with Omega uh, and Tarkin and the Kaminoans, like you, like 
I feel like this is there's a lot of philosophy around the clones and what's happened to the clones. And, you know, that's one of the things that Clone Wars did so well is the movies, the prequel movies just had these clones as sort of this is who's fighting, just so you know. And Clone Wars really made us fall in love with them. And now Bad Batch is kind of being like, let's let's look under the hood a little bit here and have a bigger discussion about what that is. And that's who the Bad Batch are. I mean, they are, what does it mean to be a defective clone? Are you a person? Are you not a person? Like, that, like that's all really, really interesting, cool stuff. Um, and again, I think Omega is going to be key to a lot of those discussions and what Omega is and who she is. So I think that that's going to be really, really key to all of this. Uh, getting to Onderon, you know, we spent a lot of time in our Falcon and Winter Soldier reviews talking about uh, you know, just with the flag smashers, the way that they were kind, they not very subtly, but like having a conversation about you call someone a terrorist, we call or a refugee, we call them a hero. It depends what side you're on. And Star Wars is kind of going into that territory because as we're watching this transition from Republic forces fighting separatists to then Tarkin being like, oh yeah, yeah, go uh, go deal with these other separatists. And you're like, these aren't separatists at all. These are just people that are not super thrilled with the Empire. And seeing Saw Gerrera go from the guy that was trained by, uh, you know, Anakin and the clone troopers to be uh, a fighter, now taking that and going down the road to where we know he ultimately uh, ends up in Rogue One, thought was a great use of him. Uh, yeah. I will say that anytime Crosshair, I, wa I watched Bad Batch with Mr. McClung. And I will tell you that anytime Crosshair said anything in the entire series, in the entire oh. episode, Shannon just started giggling. He just loved every line Crosshair said. He thought Crosshair was amazing. Like Crosshair would be like, just Crosshair would be like, just shoot them. And Shannon would be like, I love this guy. <laughs> um, Remind me not to go yeah. on missions with Shannon. Remind me not to seriously, it's dangerous. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I thought they put they put the Bad Batch in the perfect predicament to set up this show in that, yep. you know, you're not shooting uh, droids and you're not even shooting other soldiers. You're, you're shooting women and children and people yep. who are displaced because of what the Empire's doing. And this is ultimately Tarkin's test. Tarkin mm -hmm. knows what he's doing and Tarkin's like, you're really good fighters, but are you good at following orders the way clones are supposed to be or are you not? And, uh, you know, and Saw Gerrera says the flip side of that, which is, you know, adapt or don't adapt, but this is the new world order. And you have these people that have, you know, these clones who have been for years now trained and literally grown to do a certain thing. And yep. the Empire's like, hey, we're just telling you to continue to do what we asked you to do. And so this is their big moment. And the moment that they say no, like, that's really key to them. Like, that's them stepping out of what they were into this new territory and crosshair uh not not about that not about that yeah. game yeah and i listen i know some of you are watching or listening to us and please bring the heat to me want to say like oh keep my politics out of you can't ignore politics obviously in the star wars stuff especially during this era it is so important right this idea of refugees this idea of a leader trying to find uh, 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 soldiers that are just going to do what they tell them to do and don't ask any questions and go and kill these people that you are just fighting with and protecting, go and kill them. Let me paint for you who these people really are so that you can be brainwashed into committing these things. It's all there to look at. And I love that Saw Guerrero goes back and forth with them and has this philosophical discussion to the point where the, the Bad Batch, in essence, senses that they have more kinship 
with these uh, resistance fighters of the rebellion than they do with their own uh, fellow clones and what's happening uh, with that new galactic empire. Shannon, what'd you think about all of this? Yeah, I mean, I do really enjoy Crosshair as a character. Like, I think he's, <laughs> he's a really interesting guy to watch. And, and by yeah. the end of the episode, you can tell like he's probably going to have the arc of the season. Um, the thing that yeah. was so interesting about him is like when they've when they've got that heat scope up and uh, uh, a Hunter says, you know, they're not droids and Crosshair responds like a good soldier. Yeah, he didn't say droids. He said he said separatist. And the first person Crosshair gets in his sights is an old woman yeah. with a cane. Woo! So it's like I don't even think like it, it's not even a moral issue. Like he's so black and white of you told me to do this. I'm going to do it. And I think that's what's going to make his journey so interesting mm. for the show. And at the same time, you know, you look at you look at the other four and how they uh they're responding more to Saw Gerrera. They're probably going to respond more to the Rebellion, whereas Crosshair, uh, as of right now, he is only interested in following orders. And, yeah. yeah, it's just a really, really, really good sequence. Laura, what do you think is happening here? Why is Tarkin exploring the cloning process? If he th thinks it's cheaper not to have clones, why is he even exploring this? Does he want something out of this? Does he want to create his own version of the clones? Is he doing, in essence, as Shannon pointed out, what he did to Krennic in one of our favorite movies, Rogue One, stealing the concept from someone else to use for himself? And then later on, wh what do you think is happening with Hunter as his eyes are opening more and more about what's happening here with the Galactic Empire uh, coming in? You know, in terms of Tarkin, I almost wonder if maybe after seeing what the Bad Batch does in the obstacle course, that they, if he does decide to become a little bit more open about how they go about doing the things that they do. I mean, we have Lama mm. Su telling him, like, hey, they may not follow orders directly, but it's never hindered them from completing their mission. So, right. I mean, look at that however you want to. Um, and he actually tells them, like, if you complete this mission successfully, you'll be looked upon favorably by the empire right. um which we know really at this point that they're like not really interested in that probably except for maybe crosshair um but i do i do remember thinking at this point in the story in terms of like the story structure that you could have actually ended this episode right here where tarkin brings this mission to them and mm. he's like you're gonna go target some insurgents on Onderon. peace out and it, we could have just stopped there and then opened up on a new episode i think with them loading up their shuttle but i'm really glad that they mm -hmm. didn't because we have really great momentum going in this episode at this point i wasn't looking at my clock by any means being like how much longer is this going to go on um i was really happy with where we were at and how the story pacing was moving along um, I do want to say that when it, there were a couple of really funny moments when they're loading up the uh, their shuttle. There's a couple little like hints of humor in there. We I think we've got yeah. Tech telling Wrecker like, "Do not put those bombs next to my bed again." I swear to God, I'm not sleeping next to a projectile. There's just all these little like little things kind of slipped in here and there that I fully appreciate. Um, and, and the Clone Wars was really good, I think, at doing that too. Uh, yeah. But we, as we're pulling away, I think we see Nala say, say something to Omega, something along the lines of like, hey, you know, I told you to stay close. Like, please don't wander yeah. off again, which just keeps bringing me back to like, what is go what is this relationship between the two of them? And why is she sort of acting like this protector? Um, yeah. But yeah, getting to see Saw Gerrera, this is just one of those things. And I, I, I say this a lot when ever Saw Gerrera comes up in any medium that isn't 
Rogue One. I I really wish that like the like the general audiences of Star Wars could get to see what Saw Gerrera was. Like the right. people who aren't watching the Clone Wars and who didn't watch Rebels and who aren't probably aren't watching the Bad Batch either. Like he was such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see that he evolved into this whatever he ended up being in Rogue One. But I really do love this early Saw Gerrera content because he was just he was just so great. So I'm really yeah. enjoying what they're bringing with this character to this show. And I'm, I, I think we saw some hints in the preview uh, that we're going to see more of Saw Gerrera at some point in the show. So I'm excited yeah. for that. Absolutely. And for those of you who uh, are maybe new to the Geek Buddies or new to our reviews here, Laura Kelly and I co-host a show called The Jedi Way. And last week's episode was about revisiting Rogue One. Uh, and we talked about the evolution of Saw Gerrera from when he was initially shown, the Forrest Whitaker version of him, initially shown in the first trailers, where he is not as debilitated. He's he, he's got he's not doesn't have the weird crazy hair. He's he's kind of bald, uh, and it's a different performance. So I think that performance was probably more in the spirit of the Saw Gerrera we've seen in Clone Wars and the Saw Gerrera we get here. Uh, and I think he popped in in Rebels as well. Uh, he we did. Get, that, that is the more, I think that's more than the one we get in the final version of Rogue One that people seem to make fun of or say they didn't like out of Rogue One. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the situation we're with now. Mike, you were you No, just seeing Saw Gerrera in Rogue One, even the version we ended up getting, uh, that's saw. That's a saw at the end of the road. I mean, that's a right. that's a, a saw bitter Guerrero resistance been, fighter. You're right. He's, yeah. he's been he's been fighting for so long to, on both sides that he doesn't really trust anybody at this point. And so we sort you know it's, it's a, it is a shame that for most fans of Star Wars, their introduction to a character is seeing them in their final moments. Mm. When where, where you take Saw Gerrera from Clone Wars now into Bad Batch and then into Rebels, you see someone who was always fighting the good fight and was even willing to do things that the Rebellion wasn't willing to do early. Mm on but that kind of put him at odds with both the rebellion and the empire which was a tough place to be in but he's a fascinating character for sure yeah and what do you think is and, and and laura i'll go back to you on this you were mentioning what might be happening here with omega omega has this conversation with hunter she is constantly trying to be part of the bad batch is she a plant in a she been programmed to in essence love the bad batch you know, we've talked about free will versus the programming thing with the clones all through this episode and her coming in and saying Hunter, you know, developing a relationship with Hunter. Is this something that Lemus is taking advantage of in a way uh, by creating this connection with them, knowing the programming of Hunter, uh, uh, you know, because she, in essence, is aware of all the clones. Does she know the program of Hunter lends itself to creating a connection with a young child? I had not given that any thought, and now I'm kind of thinking that that does make sense a little bit, since we know from the end of this episode that clearly there's some sort of tracker uh, either on their Mm. shuttle or on Omega specifically. Um, But that would just be so heartbreaking, so I really hope you're wrong. (laughs) Um, Because I'm really enjoying this adorable character. But I, uh, I think really it's anything is a possibility with this character at this point with Omega. And I, yeah. I can't wait to see what they do with it. But there was, I remember hearing all of the theories at the beginning of, or before the show came out talking about like, Oh, maybe she like, we weren't sure what gender she was. So mm. people are like, well, maybe this is Ray's dad. Maybe she's a clone. And maybe this is like, I mean, it was just like, it was hysterical to kind of listen 
back to some of that, yeah. knowing what we know now. Uh, but I, I sincerely hope that that's not the case. I, I kind of get the impression that it's not. <laughs> I really do love this relationship that we see forming in this early episode between her and Hunter, where we do have Hunter in sort of a more fatherly role. Mm. Um, I think it's really heartbreaking when Crosshair says something, you know, he sneers at him and he's like, I guess kids aren't your thing. It's like, come on, man. Now you're like hitting below the belt. Like clearly earlier, they're going to have like a really cute relationship. So just, yeah. can we not? <laughs> yeah, Crosshair. Yeah, leave the man alone. <laughs> uh, but we'll see what that leads to for sure. Cause certainly Crosshair brings up his uh, uh, Hunter's proclivity to create these connections with these children and not follow through on the order. And they don't, they don't follow through on the order. So they're in essence going rogue for lack of a better term in this situation when they don't take care of these separatists, don't kill the separatists, but it's a big deal that they find out Omega is a clone. This is what motivates Hunter to bring the crew back to Kamino to save her, which is what a good general does. Never leave a man behind or a woman behind or a child behind, for God's sakes. All right, so anyway, let's move on. Omega and AZ are looking through uh, the Bad Batch's hangout area. This is a really cool, funny sequence, kind of taking a little bit of the edge off of what we just saw here. Uh, between them, uh, she finds some sort of, like, I guess a makeshift iPad, I guess for lack of a better term, and seeing a picture of the Bad Batch. She has a smile on her face. AZ finds what's left of a, uh, a former droid uh, there as well. And they find up all this kind of stuff. And then a clone trooper shows up as they're trying to get out of there because they hear them coming. Uh, they bump into the clone trooper there. Uh, and uh, AZ is electrocuted when he touches one of the clone troopers. Let's go back to what Michael said. They're in a bad mood. He's like, get your hands off me, droid. Don't you touch me, droid. Electrocute them. And they take Omega out of there. The Bad Batch arrive and are immediately arrested by Tarkin. Uh, and the other troopers that are put in jail with Omega and Crosshair Hunter have yet another battle about who should be leading this team. Crosshair saying, this is all happening because of your mistakes, your indulgence of these younger people. This is why this is all happening to us and tries to get the rest of the Bad Batch on his side. They don't go with him. But then Crosshair sits down, and this is a great moment. He's struggling with his head, clearly in pain, which looks like, you know, the pain of being programmed uh, is, is affecting him. And Omega comes over and says, uh, uh, this is not your fault. I know that you can't help it. Just please don't do what they're trying to make you do. And then at that moment, uh, the troopers come in and take him out of there. Let's stop here because I don't want to give too much for Michael to talk about. So let's just stop here. Uh, what did you think of all of them coming back and then getting arrested by Tarkin here, Shan? All this stuff that's happening here uh, with them uh, overall and what we're going and this moment with Omega and Crosshair kind of betraying that there might be, as you mentioned, a longer arc happening here for Crosshair. Well, you can tell he he's he's struggling like that. I think they yeah. they had said at this point like they've all got that inhibitor chip, but for whatever reason, because of their because they're they're defected and they're enhanced, like the, it didn't affect all of them, but it is affecting yeah. Crosshair to a degree. And you you, you see him kind of you know like really kind of rubbing his temples, and you start to wonder what is Omega's enhancements mm. like. Like you know, we we see by the end of the episode, she can do some some pretty spectacular things without having ever done them before. So yeah. the question is, is is she sort of the best parts of all of them? Is this oh. something new that she's able to, because you look at what Hunter can do, his senses, what she's doing with Crosshair is not that far off that she's mm -hmm. able to kind of, hey, this is what you're thinking of doing, please don't. Yeah. Um, 
great, great little scene. And yeah, I mean, when uh, the one Kevin uh, Owen had said, like, you know, we had we had five de- defective enhanced ones. And I know I for a moment was like, well, Echo wouldn't be one. Oh, it's the little <laughs> girl. It's it's Omega. So, yeah, great scene. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Your thoughts on this uh, uh, overall with what they're going to do here and laying the groundwork with what become what might be coming between them? Yeah, I mean, it does make me think that you might be onto something with the whole uh, Omega does have some kind of programming that maybe makes her a little bit more of a sleeper agent. Not mm. because I think it's going to be a super sad thing that Laura's going to end up crying about, but I think that that's <laughs> going to be part. But I think that that's actually going to be part of her arc. Like I said, this whole episode uh this whole opening to bad batch spends so much time talking about uh what you're programmed to do versus what you're not programmed to do and even though it's super funny when wrecker and tech are arguing about it and wrecker's like i i like to i like to knock into things and blow things up because i like to blow things up but i think the idea of how much of this is you and how much is programmed into you is something that we're gonna revisit a lot and i think that if omega's arc is that she we we discover that she was actually programmed for some nefarious reason but to watch her overcome that that might be really interesting also it might be nothing at all but i think that watching this scene with her like having her be the one that says to crosshair i know what you're gonna do i know it's not your fault but like like she's representing this voice of like we don't have to we don't have to do what we're programmed to do. We can evolve beyond that. And as much as that, as much as I think Shannon is right, and that is going to give us a wonderful arc to watch with Crosshair, I think Omega might be wrapped up in that too. Yeah, certainly. And remember, Laura, Clone Trooper 5s tried to short-circuit this situation happening in Season uh, 6 of the Clone Wars, but he was killed before he could foil uh, what Palpatine was going to do. So that is kind of... All this is happening in, in an indirect and direct result of him not being able to stop this from happening and being killed. And remember, Captain Rex turned on Ahsoka in in, in Clone Wars 7. So this idea of being programmed is really kind of driven into the idea of these clones. And we see them as human, but they can be manipulated against their will as Omega lays out here when she tries to tell them, don't do what they're telling you to do. Yeah, and what we're seeing with Crosshair here is just really heartbreaking because we know Mm. at this point after, you know, kind of what we see a little bit later, I think the next scene we're going to talk about is that he's not fully against what's happening Mm -hmm. with the Bad Batch and what what their sort of evolving mission is. And that's, I have it multiple times in my notes where I'm just like, why are we still letting Crosshair hang out? Like, let's just (laughs) ditch this dude. Um, And there's a really sweet scene and I apologize for jumping ahead, but like- They come to take Crosshair away, some of the shock troopers, and still, after everything that they've been through in this one episode where we've seen Crosshair constantly at odds with Hunter and the rest of the group, Hunter still stands up and is like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 we stay together. Like, you're not taking him. And that was just like, I mean, you talk about Hunter being the heart of the group, but like, if you had any doubt, that is it right there. And it's a really beautiful scene. you guys were talking about Omega, and I have a really, I have a theory about what's going on with her. Okay. But I'm going to save it for the end. Okay, <laughs> okay, right. that's fair, totally fair. And as Laura said, they take, uh, they take uh, uh, Crosshair away. Hunter tries to stop him, gets punched for his troubles, and he goes down. And they take uh, him away. Uh, and and this is what we see as we go forward. Uh, you know, 
he gets programmed by Tarkin. They go even deeper into his brain. We see that he's got that little chip in his head. They're going to program him even more. Uh, and while that's all happening, uh, Tech figures out that this was the this area was not really set up to be a jail. It wasn't built to be a jail. It's a room, so it's got some deficiencies in it that they can expose and figure out. He feels around the wall and he finds this one section that uh, he thinks they can punch through. Uh, they kind of uh, play. They kind of like you know, kind of uh, you know, in, uh, figure this out. Wrecker punches through it, sends Omega through. Omega falls uh, through the ceiling on top of some clone troopers. Then uh, opens the door for them to all get out and handle us. And they run out uh, and and head on out to the bay. And Crosshair comes out after them. Uh, and uh, after uh, somewhat of a similar, somewhat of a battle scene, they end up getting away from Crosshair. And we've really established that Crosshair is the villain here, and the rest of the Bad Batch uh, is off on their own with Omega. Uh, figure out what to do next with their lives. Uh, so. What did you think about this? I know it kind of compartmentalized or kind of like condensed yeah, yeah. this whole sequence, but uh, <laughs> let's talk about what stood out for you guys overall. Uh, Mikey, I'll go with you on this. One. What do you think? Uh, I think all the character interplay as they are figuring out how to get out of that cell is pretty delightful. And you finally see them working as yeah. the team that we're going to see, uh, that Omega yeah. is now a part of the team. You take Crosshair out of there, right. and now this is the Bad Batch. Now, Crosshair might come back later. He might die. He might sacrifice himself. He might stay with the Empire. We'll see no what spoilers. happens with Crosshair. No spoilers. Stop it. Oh, spoilers. Idea. It's guesses. Speculation. But speculation. <laughs> Crosshair, Crosshair is Mephisto. Um, oh! Oh no! <laughs> but uh, but no, I think that um, but I think that like now, like seeing Omega be a part of this team, she's smaller. She can do things. She you know, and with even when she brings down the guards, and Wrecker's like, I like this one. Like you just see them starting to all gel, and again, just great character stuff. Uh, Tech, I am in love with. I think Tech is my favorite of all the Bad Batch. He has a dry a dryness about him that I find super hilarious and fun, uh, and his just sort of natural intelligent intellectual arrogance i find delightfully charming so i really? think he's like that's surprising yeah, I, oh okay okay we don't need to get in i no. I, I don't need to pay for, i'm here i'm here for review i didn't come to pay for therapy we can do that <laughs> later thank you very much yeah like you weren't thinking i was wrecker the whole episode okay but go ahead keep going I felt like you were Hunter. Oh, you cut it out. You lying <laughs> SOB. You lying SOB. That's what I felt. You lying SOB, even though I thought I was. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. No. Every time, every, no, actually, every time that Laura says, why would they keep Crosshair around? He's been causing all these problems. I was like, well, I've been friends with Roka for 20 you years. You know what? So. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so great character stuff. And then just like, what a great final action sequence and yeah. what a great introduction to crosshair and like his new outfit coming in oh and just, yeah like, that whole moment i mean that whole showdown between him and hunter uh so much fun like just like the drama of it all like the character interplay like we just met these characters in earnest you know 70 minutes before yeah. and to just have it come down to these two after watching them be at odds from the moment that uh they were dealing with caleb or Kanan. Caleb at the beginning uh, was super, super cool. And then to Shannon's point about Omega, like, you know, her coming in in that last moment with that shot and just mm. being like, okay, there is more to her than we thought was going on. And then you get them all on that ship, they take off. And you know what? Like, it's a, it is a classic Star Wars trope. It's a classic trope we've seen in everything, but Omega walking into that cockpit 
and just looking out at space and Hunter kind of being like, is your first time in space? And she's like, it's my first time anywhere. And like them all coming together as a group and getting into that cockpit right before they head into hyperspace and him being like, well, you're going to want to watch this. Like, it's just like, this is what Star Wars is about. It's like, you're a kid, you're in space, you're with these awesome people that can do amazing things. You're getting to go on this epic adventure that like, to your point, Johnny, you know, you were like, this is my Star Wars more than anything else. And I think that this is completely new territory for Star Wars in a lot of ways. And doing this 80s action series is awesome. But yet at the same time, even if it's in a slightly different way, they are hitting these classic Star Wars beats. Yeah. As much as Luke going into space in the Millennium Falcon is amazing, as much as Ahsoka learning from Anakin is amazing, now we have Omega with these other guys going off onto this adventure and you're like... Yeah, feels like Star Wars to me. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to say this from my own, but again, bring the heat to me. Uh, I've seen some reviewers complaining about the military aspects of the Bad Batch episode and complaining that it's a military bent and all this stuff. Listen, let me say something. If you get unicorns and you get 900 fucking foot elephants and elves and all this shit, military guys get something in this geekdom too. All right, we get to be catered to every once in a while as well, and that's not a bad thing, God damn it. So I'm going to let Legolas scale a 900-foot elephant. Let me have what I want here with Bad Batch. So I just want to put that out there on my own. Well, and just but yeah. really, but can I just can I just respond to that really quickly? I just want to say something else about that, that like, yeah. that like this, the Star Wars of the universe with what the Empire is doing and with the clones being programmed is showing both the best and the worst of the military. You want yes. heroes like the bad guys. Yes, you want exactly. you want you want people that are all about these are the soldiers that you want coming in to save you. You these are the soldiers right. that you want coming in because they're gonna do the right thing. And you yeah. also have on the other end of it the clone troopers now with Order sixty six going like that are just they're gonna follow orders no matter what whether it's right wrong ethically shady doesn't matter. So yeah. to your point before about Star Wars is all about politics like they're showing the two extremes of the military yeah. in a show about clones and all this other crazy stuff. Like there's stuff to, there's stuff to dig into in there. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. Cause I mean, some people were just like getting upset about it. I'm like, come on now, make some space, make some, so you get your Hogwarts, you get my military. Laura, talk to me about this situation of this whole ending here as well. And Omega showing as Shannon just pointed out characteristics of all members. And when they come to that corner, it is uh, um, Hunter who does this. Omega almost at the same time does the same thing to stop everybody. And then her getting that shot at the end is almost like a crosshair moment. So this is a developing situation. Is she amalgamation of all those uh, of the other uh, members of the Bad Batch herself? Interesting stuff. What do you think about this whole ending and crosshair coming out, becoming the villain of the piece in essence, the localized villain of the piece in essence? Well, in this particular situation with Crosshair, I, I really enjoyed this scene for a couple of reasons. It was another one of those scenes that was just really beautifully filmed because um, it's it's slowed down for a second. And even though this is this really long premiere episode, we're you know clocking in at about seventy minutes or so, the show didn't seem like it was afraid to 
take a pause and have like a quiet moment. And that scene of this sort of standoff between Hunter and Crosshair is one of those quiet moments that I really appreciated. It's one of the first moments where I really started paying attention to the score in this episode Mm. and notice that they're using a lot of, there's a lot of vocals being used. There's a chorus being used a lot in the, in the score of this uh, particular episode upon rewatches. I went back and, and noticed it even more throughout the episode. And it was one of those musical things that they used really sparingly in the clone wars and i really appreciate that they actually used utilized a little more in this Mm -hmm. um so hopefully that they keep up with that but yeah we see we see crosshair fire and hunter ducks and then there's you know everyone's opening fire and throwing grenades and they're able to once again strategize their way out and of course we've got uh omega's uh killer shot the I did really enjoy this scene where we cut back to Nalase and Lama. I was going to ask you, what's just going for on a there? Second. What's yeah, going on there? I was, this is one of those I went back and kind of watched a few times because I was still trying to figure out what exactly is going on. You know, she confirms that Crosshair's inhibitor chip was, was successful. They were able to, you know, augment it even further. She reveals that Clone Force 99 flew away and escaped with Omega. And the way that Lama Sue responds doesn't seem like this was like a plan between the two of them. Mm. This is just what happened. And he's kind of just like, all right, well, let's just like see what happens, I guess. I don't know. Um, so this was, it was an interesting scene. I'm curious to see how much more of Lama Sue Nalase we see and where, yeah. where exactly their plan goes. Uh, yep. but yeah, that I do enjoy the comparison of uh, of getting to see Omega see the you know the striped stars go into hyperspace for the first time. It was really cute. I think kind of and this is again the sort of reason why I would just be heartbroken if she ends up being some <laughs> sort of traitor to this group um, because she really is sort of representing like the Luke Skywalker in this yeah. sense, mm-hmm. where you've lived on this you know place your entire life you've never been anywhere seen anything and now all of a sudden you're on this great big adventure yeah and we're gonna get to see you know we're gonna get to be on that adventure with her and because we're i think kind of seeing the show through her point of view at least uh or my prediction is that we're gonna see more of that now that she's really joined up with the batch completely um i really (sighs) i just have a hard time believing that she could that she could somehow go bad but again you talk about programming and if that's what's instilled in her she may not have a say in the matter so we'll see and and we and like she's telling yeah she told crosshair don't give in to what they're telling you to do maybe she will have a moment later on in the season where she is being programmed to do something and has to resist it and and the fact that she could speak about it so knowledgeably to him in that moment in the jail cell saying like, in essence, you know, I know what this feeling is like, don't do it. That adds a little bit of layers to this uh, situation that may be coming down the road. Also, Nalase, I need to know. I mean, it's great mystery, obviously, to have Nalase. Did she know? Did she put that chip inside Crosshair before the Bad Batch was ever even formed as a team? Did she know that that was the failsafe in case they ever went too far? She would just turn Crosshair into the killer and have him kill all the rest of the Bad Batch and maybe even himself in case they ever went too far. This is so... The programming here is very interesting. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I think think all the Bad Batch has that chip. Every clone. Every clone has that chip. It's not the knowledge... Like, like Crosshair doesn't have a chip that's any different from any of the clones, including the Bad Batch, it's just that his uh, discrepancies, his his things that made him different didn't make him as different. So he still had, when Order 66 happened, 
he it hit him a little bit, and the other right. the rest of the Bad Batch they just didn't really get hit by it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I wonder if they put a chip in his body or in his that would have that ability to be even more sensitive to the orders more than the other guys so that they knew the guy who could shoot the best from the farthest distance, the most accurate, could take them out without them knowing it if they had to. I wonder if that I, was a failsafe they put maybe. There's a right there's a writer's term there's a writer's term called putting a hat on a hat. Uh in this case I think it would be putting a chip on a chip. Uh, I don't okay. think there's a need to add. I don't think there's a need to add another chip when there's a chip in his brine already that is okay. going to do exactly what they want it to do. No, I don't mean adding a chip. I'm saying the chip's already there. I'm saying the chip has more of a tendency to to be turned into one thing versus the chips that are in the other. Gotcha. Uh, think, bad, bad. That's my had, point. You think he has a special chip? Yes, I think okay. he's got a special chip, and I think he's being used as a failsafe. Let me tell you something about the military. There's always one person that is tasked. With handing out, with if the situation goes bad, there is one person on a mission that can be dangerous. There's one person that's tasked uh, with handling stuff if they need to handle stuff. If it's a, if it's a situation they have to stop intel from going back or some kind of treasonous situation, they're charged with taking out the group. That's well, the situation. So, and and the fact that um, oh god, I forget her name, the writer here, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Corbett. Corbett. Yes, yeah, she's a she's a Navy veteran. So it, having that military aspect to it all, you can't deny that piece of it possibly being there in the story. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, well, I mean, because I haven't said what I thought about yeah, it, yeah, please, I'm, please. I'm about to inadvertently agree with you here. Oh. Um, because I think when they, like, because this was something I noticed, but I was like, oh, this actually lines up with what John is saying. Um, when they pull Crosshair out and they kind of winter soldier him, yeah. And when he comes out at the end, and I think that the fact that he has a different uniform on, I think that is by design that the, you know, they all have that, those shades of red on them, which, you know, is like, you know, that that's represents blood and that's scary. But at the same time, it represents humanity that his no longer has the red, like the little bit of humanity that he had mm. left. They are thinking, okay, we have now we have now taken this out of him. And again, I'm I'm reading probably reading way too into this, um, but but I I do think it's interesting that now he has he has become this this absolute killing machine who mm. could very well achieve the goal that John just laid out. Just throwing it out there. I, yeah, maybe I'm trying to make it darker than it actually is, but I'm just throwing it out there. I like the possibilities of it. Of course, it's Disney show, so it's not going to go too dark. But you never know with this situation. And, I and, mean, they uh, had a dead Jedi on a gurney. I mean, I, I, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm looking here at the Easter eggs. That's Shock T, apparently. So, Aww. so that was, yeah, that's yeah. So that's a. Uh, well, that was yeah. That was. I mean, she is. I mean, Shock T was the. Uh, that I I didn't think of that as an Easter egg so much as like that's she was at. Camino, that was her job. That was her yeah. Jedi job. Yeah, so a rough of situation. Let's go back to okay. So that's the end of the show, and we move on. And we'll see what happens uh, in the next episode. But Laura, you had a theory about Omega. Do you want to drop it now? Sure. And I don't know if this is like low hanging fruit or not because I've been avoiding listening to any other reviews or anything like that. Mm. But my thing with Omega is that, and this is just my guess, uh, having not seen any of the other episodes yet, is that she. I do wonder if they may have figured out how, or they somehow inadvertently ended up with a force sensitive clone. And that's Ooh. my theory as to why she's able to shoot a blaster without having had any training, why she's somehow okay. intuitive with what's going on with Crosshair. Mm. Um, that's, it's, 
just a thought. I'm sure I'm wrong. Um, I think what you guys saying is that is a lot makes a lot more sense, and that she's sort of amalgamation of all of the the different Bad Batch members. Uh, but we don't have any force. We don't have any force users in this episode or in the show anymore. So if you oh, wanted yeah. to bring one in, and if that was your desire, this could be a way to do that. Uh, but it's always one of those things where like you can't program that, but the force is always balancing itself and. If maybe Nalase learned that she was a Force-sensitive clone, she may have been willing to take her under her wing a little bit more and protect her more because she knew she'd be in danger. I don't know. There's just lots of things for whatever reason that point to that for me. And so that was the first, that was the first conclusion that I drew. Yeah, and if Nalase is in essence made um, Crosshair kind of the the sleeper spy in their Bad Batch, then Omega is now replacing crosshair in the bad batch as they go off so that's a possibility too but we're just speculating who knows who's <laughs> right we'll find out uh, as we go along all right any any final words before we wrap up uh michael you got something uh yeah and no, i think that i think the force user thing is interesting because we know yeah, from mandalorian like we know from mandalorian season two that the empire can't clone force mm-hmm. like that's why they need grogu like they're they're trying to clone palpatine and they can do the body but they can't do the force and so they know that uh they know that they can't do that but i think the idea that the kaminoans maybe stumbled upon it in some way maybe that's why they cloned they took the jango fett uh dna and made it a uh, female for some reason like i like they, the idea that like they were experimenting and stumbled upon something is really interesting and I don't think that that necessarily says that you can't also have them feel like they have her control to do a certain thing. I think a, a clone who, on the one hand, has the programming to do what the Kaminoans want her to do, and at the same time potentially has uh, some level of force sensitivity, is a really interesting story and very much in keeping with Star Wars. So I think that there's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, I, I think that... Um, I think it's what what how she fits into all this and the mystery around her is kind of op- turning itself into being as compelling as the mystery around Grogu. So I think that uh, they've they've definitely stumbled upon a pretty good um, story structure to follow with both Mandalorian and this. With like, what's the mystery with the kid? All right, any final words for Laura or Shannon on this before we wrap up? Uh, I think with Omega, they have perfected the defectiveness of the previous four. That's that is my <laughs> guess. <laughs> all right, Laura. Generally, one of the simplest uh, answers, or the you know the best answer, is usually the simplest one, and I think that that's probably that that's probably a good assumption. I think Shannon. So I would I would definitely. I'm not going to be mad if my theory's wrong, you guys. I'm not. I'm not one of those. I'm not so attached to it. Like attachment's forbidden, so it's all good with your theories, at least. But yeah, no, I, I'm excited to see where the rest of this show goes. I think that it's going to be. Uh, I think it's been interesting. I'm, I'm excited that it's 16 episodes. I think there were yeah, 14 yeah. listed on IMDb the other day. At first, we thought it was maybe going to be six. Yeah. So this is great that we have confirmation that it's 16. It also gives me hope that we're probably going to get a season two at some point, mm-hmm. uh, and that it might already be in progress. So Damn yay! Right. Damn right. More Bad Batch, please. Absolutely. We'll get that Mephisto clone at some point as well. All right. Anyway, you thank go. you, everybody, for watching this uh, spoiler review of episode one 
of Star Wars, The Bad Batch. Can't thank you all enough for uh, downloading this. Uh, if you're listening to it on the podcast feed or watching it here on the Outlaw Nation channel for on the Geek Buddies. Uh, Laura Kelly, thank you so much for joining us again. You're going to be here for the whole run. It's so awesome. And thanks for taking the time, especially when you're kind of on a vacation to hang out with us and do this. We appreciate it madly. Please, where can people find you and everything you got going on? Yeah, I'm excited to watch the rest of this show with you guys. Thank you again for having me. If you want to come follow me on Twitter, I am at shutup underscore Laura. You can find me on Instagram at that handle as well. And the show that I do with my friend Alice is an audio podcast called Force Toast, Star Wars Happy Hour. You can follow that show on Twitter at Force Toast Pod and find it on any of the wonderful places that you get good podcasts. There you go. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, listen, wh- whether she is a clone or a Jedi or whatever she is, uh, <laughs> we hope you join us on this journey where we will have theories each week that will, the following week, be proven wrong. Uh, it's going to be a blast. <laughs> We're going to throw it all out there. Um, but I'm happy to be on the ride with these guys, and we hope that you guys are happy to be on the ride with us. And the way that you can help us continue on these awesome rides uh, is to hit the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, uh, leave a comment below. What do you think is going on? What do you think is up with Omega? What are you excited to see? What other Star Wars cameos do you hope we get? Uh, and the best way that you guys can help us out is to uh, retweet this video, uh, post it on your Facebook pages, send it to your friends who are asking questions about what's going on with this new Bad Batch series. And if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, definitely leave some comments and leave us some stars there too. It all helps us get out there and find more buddies to join us on this fabulous adventure. Absolutely. You can make it an Instagram story. You can make it a Twitter uh, fleek or whatever they're doing there. And then you can also put it on TikTok. Why not put it on TikTok? Let the kids know. Uh, All right. We're out of here. Thank you all so much. We appreciate it madly. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch here on The Geek Buddies. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.